think that real estate, buying the property is the most important thing. No, that's one of the least important things, actually. Building the company with the right people, the right process, that is by far the most important thing. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. Spoken to Emmett Smith. Yes, he develops real estate, believe it or not. Spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole bunch of others with us today. Carlos Vaz. How you doing, Carlos? I'm doing great. Well, nice to have you on the show, my friend. And a little bit about Carlos. He is the co-founder and CEO of Conti Organization, which is a multifamily real estate investment company. He had a portfolio of over 1,400 units his first year in the multifamily business. He's been involved in over $400 million of real estate transactions. He's a member of the Urban Land Institute and the Young Presidents Organization which is an organization I'm currently in the process of getting into. He is currently enrolled in the Harvard Business School program. He's based in Dallas, Texas. So with that being said, Carlos, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Well, first of all, Joe, thank you for putting this together. I heard outstanding things about yourself and about the program. Keep the good work. (laughs) We need more of that. Uh, About myself, as you can all tell, I do have an accent. I was not born in the U.S. I'm one of nine kids. I'm number eight of nine. My father was a butcher and my mom a homemaker. Very proud of that. I mean, we kind of didn't have that much growing up, but this, just that attitude, right? The attitude of being thankful and having gratitude for everything that you do. So I started to work with my dad at the age of seven, going to the farm and going to the butcher shop, put myself through school. Started going to law school in Brazil, but they went on a strike the first year. They went on a strike on the second year. It was taking a little bit too long. Ended up coming to here to the U.S. about 16 years ago, working odd jobs. Worked at the law office and as an intern, working from 2 a.m. to 6, loading and load trucks. Working restaurants during the night and also going to the school during the night whenever I didn't have to work. And working over the weekends as well. It was pretty much that beginning slowly getting myself involved in construction, learn a little bit more, flipping homes. And we're located here in Dallas today. Dallas is home. With today, we own almost 5,000 units in the greater Dallas area. Our portfolio now is getting close to 600 million. And very proud of what we as a company have achieved together, not as myself, but being honored to put in the company together and achieving so much. I can tell kind of the multiple jobs while you're going through school and then having jobs that has a lasting effect on you because you went into detail about that. And I'm sure it was a decent amount ago from a time standpoint, 
So how have you applied that mentality to get you to where you're at now? Well, I think that sometimes people complain. It's so easy for people to complain about what they have in front of them, right? Oh, I hate my job. I hate this year. But sometimes you need to look at the gratitude, right? So even when I was working as a waiter, you never saw me complain. I thank you for what I have. If I don't like this job, I'll say, suck it up. What can you do? What are you doing differently to change your position, right? So if you work at a job you don't like, and you get home and you just watch TV and you go to bed, and the next day you do exactly the same thing, <laughs> guess what? Yep. Five years from now, where are you going to be? Exactly in the same place. So I think at the end of the day, it's up to us to make decisions, right? Not that because of the world is not fair. Is We need to look at our own habits. So many times I constantly look at my habits and say, how can I improve? How can I make things better? So when I look at the jobs that I used to have, even working as a waiter, working in the construction side and all different places, I thank you for what I have. This is going to give me some money so I can take another class or this is going to give me some knowledge. So and then can take me somewhere else. So that's how I, I approach every job that I used to have until I have my own company now. And the way that applies that here is that if you come and you work for Conti, you really need to enjoy what you do because everything inside, of, everybody inside of the company they really enjoy what they're doing. You can see the passion, which is actually one of our core values. You can see the passion of everybody here. So I think that's what sets apart, right? How can you find your passion eventually and live it? I love your approach. And you said it's easy to complain but it's more important to have gratitude. And even as you are waiting tables, you're grateful. And it's more about what are you doing differently to change your position? And it boils down to those habits. In addition to having the macro level gratitude approach, what are some specific habits that you have that have helped you get to where you're at or maybe just daily habits now? Well, I think it's interesting. That's something that I will my wife and I were talking short the other day, and I told her, I need to put something together because that's how I see some of the habits and the way that I was raised and being thankful for some things that, first of all, you never see me complaining. I think that it's not part of who I am. I don't have enough time to complain. So if I were to look at something I put together, I can come up with pretty much with 10 values that really that I live my life. And that's how I'm slowly teaching my kids. They're still young, four and two, but I'm telling them. So I would say to me, and that's very personal, and that's how I live my life. My, I would say these values would be, let's call it, number one, faith. In my case, my faith is important, is guiding to me. Number two, excellence. Do your best in all you touch. It's not about the quantity, it's about the quality, right? So sometimes people say, well, I'm going to do this halfway. Really? It takes twice the amount of time and efforts to come back and fix something that you didn't do well the first time. So take the time to do well the first time around. So don't need to come back. The third one, perseverance. So again, don't complain about the situation, even if you mean working hard. Number four, I would say relationship. Be a team player and help others and let others help you. So how can it be in a situation because nobody wants to be around a jerk? Come on, that's Mm -hmm. reality. Communication, right? So I think many times there's an issue is because of the lack of communication. But it's not communication itself, what we call effective communication. 
Another one that's important to me, number six, integrity, right? You always do the right things, even if it means making hard choices. Integrity is everything, right? When I tell you, say, say Joe, I'll shake your hand, we have business, we're going to do something together. It's not a contract that's going to put us together. A contract is just going to be that, it's just the formality. Mm-hmm. I think that you have the integrity to do that thing that's important. Another thing to me that really it's family and country. I always say that how can you do to provide to my family, to my parents, in this case to my mom and to my brothers, it was important to me. And also I do believe that this country and on my book, it's the best country in the world. Seriously, we live in an amazing country called the USA. There are opportunities every day, as long as they're willing to wake up in the morning and go get them. So to me, I think that's important to give back and help in this country. The other one is knowledge. What are you doing to pursue growth and learning? So a lot of people that are going to be listening to your podcast, I wish five years ago you were doing this year, then I could be listening to you. <laughs> there's so many good nuggets. There's so many things that you, people are learning from other people that are actually doing things. And so, wow. So that helps me not to make a mistake. The other one is health. Health is really important, right? When I look at my life and everything, if I don't have health, there's nothing, right? So what's your habit? What are you doing to yourself? And finally, commitment, right? So when you say that you're going to do something, you get things done. Because there's no point about you doing all this here, but you say something and at the end, there's no commitment. So when I look at some of these values, when I put all this together, those are a little bit my habits. That's how I live my life. Mm. I did not expect you to have a list of 10 and be so thoughtful about it. So thank you for that. I'm glad we took the conversation that direction. I want to rewind a little bit. Correct me if this is not correct. 1,400 units your first year in the multifamily business. First off, is that correct? Yes. That came in from March. My first deal was March... Uh, for 2008. That's what closed the first deal. And from that to September, we were buying a lot. Mm-hmm. How did you have the funding and the knowledge and expertise to pull that off? Because the last time I checked in with you on your startup background, you ended, I think, where you said you're flipping homes and got into some construction. You know, that's a big jump. It, it is. Well, I think that you need to start somewhere and everything goes back to that knowledge. So to go back a little bit, so when I stopped buying houses in the greater Boston area was about May of 2007. I said, okay, the market is getting too crazy. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to get very bad. So I better get out of the market, start selling everything that I could. And um, I met some other friends that they had apartment buildings. Talking to them, everything made sense. But number one, I had to go and learn. Where can I learn about apartments? And to me, I say one of the best places to learn about multifamily real estate, not only multifamily, but also commercial real estate, office, retail, industrial, and the multifamily side is a CCIM. I'm a huge fan of CCIM. Every time someone wants to learn about some multifamily, go talk to CCIM because the institute is amazing. So I start attending older classes and learning more and now look at highest and best use and demographic change. So my first reaction is, well, I need to go to a place that's going faster than Boston. I was between North Carolina and Texas. I ended up coming to Dallas in August of 2007. I spent about two weeks here and I say, wow, this place is really home. 
I really loved Texas. I really loved Dallas. And that's how kind of I made here my place. Of course, when I moved here, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have the equity. I don't know management companies. And the whole idea of I need to start networking, networking, getting to know more people. And there's a great book on that subject is Never Eat Alone. It's really a great book, How to Network Efficiently. And not only make the media about yourselves, but also help other people. And I started networking a lot in Dallas with the idea that, one, when I move here, I'm not going to do single-family homes. I'm going to do multi-family homes, uh, multi-family apartment buildings. And pretty much, I'm going to burn my bridge. Either I move forward or I move forward. That was my intention. So with that in mind, I came here to Dallas, started learning about the market, talking to, meeting every single broker that I could meet. And then I found a broker that gave me a shot. I said, Carlos, I have this property. The bank has taken this property back. Take a look. It was a 280 units, his first deal. I was running the numbers. Everything kind of made sense. And I knew that I was buying very, very cheap. I put the deal on a contract. I didn't have them in my equity. I didn't have my debt. I not even had a management company. <laughs> However, I had that feeling that, say, hey, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make it happen. That I say a, a lot. And I started really calling any single person that I could. And I was able to find a group out of Utah, an amazing group that said, Carlos, we want to partner with you. Of course, my first deal, the splits were not the best. You're talking about 99 and 1. We all know who got the 1. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> so as I said, at least that part is easy. 99, who's getting the 1, right? <laughs> but there's one of the best books that I've ever read. is Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, right? So you work for the knowledge, you don't work for the money. I say, sure, I'll take it because I want to learn. And then I start learning more about multifamily and seeing how operations are being done. Within not even three weeks after closing the deal and say, Carlos, let's do this again. I say, sure. And we did it again. And let's do it again. We did it again. With that and, same and group? Just a, with that same group. Then it got by September. I say, Carlos, we need to hold a little because it's moving too fast. But that's how the beginning was starting, doing with that same group. But how do you get to someone that one? If you go back to those values, how someone is going to trust you, right? I say, well, it's easy if you have integrity, if you're trying to do excellence, you're trying to be transparent, right? I say, listen, how can you grow together? How can I have a win-win at some point to have a win-win relationship? And that was my first deal. My idea in the beginning is I'm going to learn as much as I can about this market. And then eventually I'm going to get to a point that I'm going to make more money. So sometimes people are so focused, oh, I need to make X amount of money up front, otherwise I'm not going to do anything. Well, if you're going to compromise knowledge, I think that's very important to recheck that way of thinking. Do you remember how you learned about the group in Utah? Yeah, I do. It was very simple because three weeks before closing, I still don't have my equity and I'm like, I'm going to die. Pretty much, right? So what I'm going to do here, I start calling some brokers that were friends of mine. And that's why I tell everyone in the company, the most important thing that we have is called respect. Always respect every person that you meet. I don't care if the person picking up the trash, if it's the EA or if the owner of the company. They are all the same. Respect everyone. Treat them with respect because you never know tomorrow. So uh, meeting all these brokers, and three weeks before closing, I just draw a map. I said, this is a three-mile range from that property. And started looking for all the properties, right? And I called the broker and said, listen, these are all the properties around one property that I own. 
can you help me to find numbers of these owners? I want to call them to see if they want to partner with me. And I started cold calling every single one of those owners. So I found someone and said, so what do we have? I have this here. So I said, okay, what are you paying? I'm paying this. I said, really? Say yes. I said, can you send them the contract? Sure. Go look at the contract. I said, wow, yeah, I want to partner with you. And then that's the excitement. Then they're more like, well, this is the split. So that doesn't get so much excited. But at the same time, you know what? It's going to be fine. Let's learn. Because there's that saying, right? You're going to be known for the things that you finish, not by the things that you started. So sometimes so many people want to talk this story. They want to do things. But how many deals have you done? So that was my way in. And I'm very thankful for that group. And we're still great friends. And probably once they, if they listen to the show, they might be left on the other side. They might be calling me and say, oh, let's go have dinner. I say, sure. <laughs> so uh, if you're going to split the bill, I know who's going to. So this time I'm going to split the bill differently. <laughs> <laughs> when you were buying multiple properties in year one with them, did the split change at all from deal one to the last deal within that 12 months? It slowly started. It was getting better. It slowly was getting better. Got it. Okay. I think that had we stayed longer, I think things would have been different. It was just a matter of was too much, too fast. And I completely understand. So I went on your website, I don't know, a month or two ago, and I noticed that when you go to the investor form, I believe it says that the minimum for new investors is $500,000 with you all. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So help me understand, how do you get to that point? Is that through growing organically over time? So you've got more and more current investors making more money investing with you. So you just raise the minimum to 500 or how does that work? Well, I say there are two things that you never have enough, right? And these things are, you never have enough deals. You should always look at new deals, even if you're not buying because you learn about the market. You need to really be learning about the market. Just for example, last year in the Dallas market alone, we look at 231 deals. That's a little bit over 65,000 units just in Dallas. We're a bunch of data people. We love operations. That's us. So we need to have data. And the second one is equity. We never have enough equity. We should always be looking for the right partnerships and the right people. So the way I would say, how can you increase your minimum? Well, multifamily is one thing to me. Multifamily is operations, operations, and operations. It's heavily intense operations. We brought the management house a little bit over three years ago. And of course, they don't move that fast. But in the way in the beginning, I would say, over three years ago, our minimum was $60,000. Much smaller projects that you're raising, let's say, you're raising only $3 million. That's one thing. I mean, we just closed a deal on Monday that's about $20 million. It's a little bit different when you close a $20 million deal, just the equity side, instead of a $3 million equity side. But what happened, I think that, number one, if you have a company, you have a very clear process, a very good execution, that execution, putting things together, that you have these very strong core values behind this company. And to have these amazing people moving the right direction, having this communication, your investors are going to see that. The way that your reporting is coming out, your lender is going to start to see that and say, wow, you know what? This is a group that's not a fly by night. These are guys, they want to do the right things 
the right projects, I want to stay with them for the long haul. So our current investors are always repeating again. And in myself, I was asking other people, said, hey, if you think Conti, what we're doing is an opportunity for you, come get to know us. Come to see our office. Come to see one of our projects. Come talk to some other investors. See if it makes sense and would love to have you join our company. So that's how the organic that starts growing, growing, getting to that point now, also scalability, right? So how we're able to scale that we can no longer accept $50,000 invest, no, goes to 100, then it goes to 50, then now, I think a half a million is the sweet spot. I think that's a half a million and above, that has been a sweet spot for us. And even right now, we just, as we close our last project, we just said internally that moving forward, we're not gonna accept IRA, we don't think we're gonna accept IRAs anymore, and also we're not gonna accept exchange anymore. Because exchange gets too complicated, on the structure, say, let's not touch that one anymore. So, but that comes throughout time, spending time building the business, building the foundation of your company. If you're focused on the foundation of the company, if you build that one, the real estate side is going to be fine. The investment is just a vehicle. And that's sometimes what people misunderstand. They think that real estate, buying the property is the most important thing. No, that's one of the least important things, actually. Building the company with the right people, the right process, that is by far the most important thing. Mm. From a structuring standpoint with investors, I mean, you clearly have a lot of returning investors who have grown with you as your company has grown. How do you structure the deal with them in terms of preferred return, equity split, things like that? It varies, depends on the project. Projects are a little bit more older or projects that are newer. Although, in our mind, we always value added 1970s and up vintage. So for us, it's typically anywhere between that 7 or an 8% preferred return. And anything above that one, we're trying to do that 50-50 split with the investors. And we have a couple of tiers that we, we have on the back. When we sell the property until they achieve that, let's call it, maybe that 12 or 15 IRR, they split either 75, 25, or 80, 20. So those are a couple of things you do. Got it. And you mentioned the types of properties you buy. If I'm a broker and for whatever reason, you and I haven't met and I'm in Dallas and I ask you what type of properties you're looking for, what do you tell me? It's very simple. For us, we only buy in Dallas. We're very focused. We only buy 1970s and up vintage between 150 to 500 units. That's important to us. And the very important thing, the median household income, not the average household income in a three-mile range has to be above $45,000, preferably $50,000. That's really a magic number for us because every time you go above that $50,000 as a median household income in a three-mile range is a more stable neighborhood. You're going to find good neighbors such as Walgreens, Walmart, Whole Foods, you're going to find Home Depot, Starbucks. That's all important to us. And why 1970s instead of 1960s or 1980s? I would say 1970s and up. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yep. Can I look at something that's a little bit older? I can. Just need to a little bit be careful. Let's say when you start to go a little bit older than 1970s, you might find a two-pipe chiller. You know, like, ah, uh, those are a little bit older properties. So we need to approach carefully, say, why we're going to be buying this property. So 
So that can be an example. If it's the 1980s, we're going to be look at 1980s. If something becomes, we're just going to take a look.、Mm-hmm. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Ah,、uh, my best real. Never stop learning. Never、And、stop learning. What are you doing right now so that you're constantly learning? Well, as you mentioned a little bit, I'm finished the Harvard OPM program. It's a program for owners and managers of company. It's an amazing program. It's a three-year program. You go to Harvard Business School for three weeks, for one year. Then you go back the next year for three weeks, and go back the next year for three weeks. It's a great program. You need to be an owner of the company, a certain revenue to qualify. So it's a great learning tool. So、uh, I'll finish my program this year. So that's one thing I'm doing. I do have a business coach that we're gonna kind of meet every quarter. And it's funny now that my kids are young, almost two and four. Sometimes just talking to them, I learn from those little guys. You, <laughs> they can teach me a lesson too. It's amazing how much a child can teach you sometimes, and I love that. Always learning. My wife knows, and my tour, my partner, he knows too. That I always be learning my life, learning how to become not only how to become a better. I never call myself a boss, but how to become a better leader, how to become a better friend, a better father. About a brother, there's so many things that we can become better. So I think that's the best thing that can, the best advice I can give someone: never stop learning. We can always become better ourselves. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund that flip. Today's sponsor has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever book you've read? Um, I'm gonna say the Bible. Beyond that one, hope was the second one. Maybe good to great. Good to great. Got it. Best ever deal you've done? Partner with the steward <laughs> and marry my wife. <laughs> <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Talking too much. When you're about to put a deal in a contract, you just be quiet, mind your own business, and finish the transaction. Whenever you get too excited because you're about to put something on the, on the contract, you can lose a deal. Actually, that happened to me in the past. I had this great deal that I'm about to put on the contract. I'm talking way too much, and somehow I lost the deal. So it was a very sour taste in my mouth that I learned very quickly that just shut up, close the deal, and that's it. So don't keep talking about the transaction. Talk internally. Just do what it's supposed to do. Best ever way you like to give back? Well, I think charities. There are four charities here in Dallas that I give it back. 
like for someone who was not born in this country, I appreciate this country in so many ways. This country is just unbelievably amazing. So we do a lot to make a wish foundation here in Dallas. There's Vogel Alcove that there's an amazing job. There's paper for water, Momentos Institute, this charities, they're just unbelievable. And I'm honored that I can help them. And I want to do much more. What's the best ever way the listeners can get in touch with you or your company? Just go to your website. You're going to find my email there. And if you're in Dallas, maybe you can get a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Carlos, this has been a refreshing and enlightening conversation. I I mentioned this before we started recording, but I've heard you interviewed previously and I've kind of studied your career and it is truly an inspiration. And I'm grateful that we had a conversation from the 10 habits or values that you hold near and dear to your heart to how you approach things where what are we doing differently to change our position? We don't focus on complaining. We focus on gratitude and what are we doing differently to enhance or evolve from where we're at now. And then the first deal right out of the gate where you didn't have the money three weeks prior and then you called all the brokers who you're friends with who you had met and said, hey, here's two miles of the properties around me how can I get these phone numbers to the owners and call and see if they want to partner with me? And you made it happen. You didn't make much money, I don't think, since due to that 99 to 1 partnership structure. But more importantly, as you said, you work for knowledge, not the money. And then again, talking through how your business has evolved. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Joe. I do appreciate it and all the success to you. And I look forward to talking again, my friend. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.